Thank you for tuning in to our second episode of our Social Justice Fellowship Podcast. We're here again for another episode. Thank you again. My name is Crystal. I'm the Director of Indigenous Lifeways. Amber, would you like to introduce yourself really quick? Yak A. Shea Amber Gaddy. A.K.A. Ambo. Yeah, AKA Ambo. And I'm AKA uh, Gallup Girl. This is Crystal again. <laughs> uh, Zanaba, you want to go next? Then Shanika. Yeah, Yate. And this is the Indigenous Hippie from Tulsacay, New Mexico. Yeah, Indigenous Hippie. <laughs> and Shanika, let's do an introduction. Good evening. Uh, this is Shanika Yazi. Um, I'm from Shabraki, Mexico, and um, AKA, as my family from Sanasti would call me and my sister, the Yazi girl. <laughs> hey, Yazi girl in the house tonight. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining in. Um, like I said from the last episode, we're highlighting each of our social justice fellows. This episode, we're highlighting our fellow Zanaba, aka Indigenous Hippie. <laughs> so, Zanaba, how are you? How are you today? Um, introduce yourself. Let's give it to the audience. Who are you? <laughs> right. Hello again, everyone. I shared my clans and introduction in our first episode. And again, my name pronunciation is Zanaba. And a lot of people pronounce my name so many ways I've, I've lost count. Um, but yeah, I am 24 years old. I'm from the small rural community of Tulsagay, New Mexico. I'm the oldest of four daughters. And uh, right now, uh, in addition to being in a, the second year of our social justice fellowship, I am also finalizing my second year in the second cohort of the Uni University of New Mexico Native American Studies Master of Arts graduate program. So I am planning to graduate in about three weeks and I am very busy with my graduate research, but it's, it's been a, a long journey. Um, I'm just thankful to everyone who supported me with my six years in higher education. Uh, my graduate research is focusing on finding Navajo ways of healing um, healing our Diné people as well as healing our land, Diné Pekea, our ancestral homeland and our, and our relatives in the natural world. And I've been indigenizing the, the research um, in general. And so I, Crystal is one of my co-researchers and we've been doing the Zoom calls and I've been working with different Navajo women across the, our reservation. So that's been a really great project and I'm excited to share that in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm also proud to uh, introduce myself as a, a worm mom. I started my own worm compost a few weeks ago and I check my worms every day. I dig them up, I feed them. So it, ever since I was little, I've always loved digging up worms. So I'm, I'm a college student and I still love to do that. <laughs> Um, we also own a family animal rescue called Res Animal Protectors, and 
same thing. I've, I've had a very special connection with animals my whole life, and it feels weird not having any animals here with me right now because they're with me 24-7. Um, but yeah, I'm a cat mom, dog mom, turtle mom, so on. I love, love animals so much. And yeah, this, this month was Earth Month, so a lot of people know I'm, I'm pretty active during this month of April. It's also my birth month. I'm an April Fool's baby. I'm the trickster and coyote in my family. Um, and one teaching I've been trying to bring back is, yes, we may have um, Earth Day, you know, over 50 years of that celebration, one day, once a month in April, but uh, for Indigenous peoples and to our ancestors, Earth Day was every day. Um, so I'm trying to bring that teaching back in a lot of the, the work that I do and my efforts have been to, um, again, <laughs> try to live the zero waste lifestyle, try to live sustainably and um, get away from this capitalistic consumerism, mainstream society. So um, a lot of my nicknames also include being a hippie in my family, um, saving water, eating healthy food, growing our own food. So that's that's just a little bit of who I am. I mean, I'm Amber, Ambo, <laughs> Sonaba, oh my gosh. I like, you have, you have so much to offer. I mean, not just like with your worms and your animals, but also with, um, I'm just like, there's just like, I'm just like, where do I start? <laughs> like, <laughs> There's so much that you and your family have done and to just to protect our, our way of life. And, um, and your family has the Shamel Learning Center as well. How is, how is that going? I mean, your family is so incredible. I mean, it's not just like, I think I just, while I was thinking of Ambo over here <laughs> with her sisters and her family. And I'm just like, oh, and there's none about her family and her sisters as well. Mm -hmm. um, what other, like what uh, projects are you working on now with the Shamel Learning Center? Yeah, so uh, we, uh, I live with my, my family, my sisters and my parents, and we're known as the six pack in a lot of the communities we work with. Um, but yeah, it, it's been really uh, a fun journey to build that addition to our house, the Shema Learning Center. Um, and it is an in indigenous based um, indigenous um, by, for, and with Indigenous Peoples cent Learning Center. And we've been doing um, Zoom trainings during this pandemic just for safety protocols. And we are hoping to open it up to the public once it's safe to do so. And we just got our nice flooring down, some nice, um, it was donated from one of our supporters. So we're really grateful to them and it's just coming together and it's looking really nice. And we did um, call it the Shema Learning Center, named it in honor of my late uh, great grandma who I'm named after, my namesake, Zanabat. And our, our indigenous um, Navajo name means old and wise woman warrior. And so she's passed away um, almost two years ago. So in two days from now, it'll be two years since she passed away. Um, and she was the matriarch of our family. You know, she was in her mid nineties. Um, and so it's been different. We, we live right next to her back home in Tulsa guy. And 
it's weird not seeing her at her house. We always saw her sitting by the window or, you know, would make her blue cord mush and take it over to her. So she never went to school, only spoke Navajo. She had 10 kids and um, half of them passed away while she was alive. And so the way there's a big, big family just from her side. And we, we had this learning center to honor revitalizing our language, revitalizing our culture. And um, again, it, it, we're a multicultural family and, and it's, you know, it, it's hard at times, um, you know, growing up and identifying as multicultural, especially on the reservation. Um, you get a lot of people who are Navajo centric and, you know, if your CIB says you're half Navajo, then you're not Navajo enough. If you're a light complected Navajo like me, then I'm not Navajo enough. If I'm not fluent enough in Navajo, then I'm not Navajo enough. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of um, issues that a lot of our people face and from our own people. And I do believe that that um, lateral violence and oppression is the result of colonization and assimilation. You know, the goal of colonizers was to make our people turn on each other, become our own enemies and take each other out so the colonizers didn't have to do it anymore. And I think that's one of the main reasons I just was so happy to join this fellowship two years ago. You know, it was led by just amazing women leaders and meeting more, you know, Navajo women leaders across our reservation that are doing this work to be grassroots, to, you know, be there in the communities to support, to teach, to learn. And it, I think that was just my calling because um, that, yeah, I was, let's see, an undergrad when that started. But yeah, I just went off on a tangent, but our learning center um, today, we tr we did want to invite people. We did a community trash pickup event for um, the end of Earth Week. And that's something I, I wanted to challenge everyone starting on my birthday to pick up trash, pick up litter. Um, that was my birthday call to action. I just wanted, you know, to clean our mother earth. Um, and I did that last, last Earth Day as well. We went and cleaned up our ditch and we got at least 10 trash bags full of all the trash that our own people are dumping down the ditches and polluting our waterways. And, you know, with the erosion, the water and the air, it, it carries all that pollution all over and it just destroys the most beautiful and sacred of places. And it really breaks my heart, you know, it really messes with my own severe depression, and anxiety. I'm just like, what's the point if our own people can't even respect our ancestors, respect our land in that way anymore? There just seems like the few of us that actually are trying to take care of her. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what we did. And um, it's also really heartbreaking that our people, we, we get, we're getting all these food donations from all these you know, different groups across the country and, you know, to support us during the pandemic because they know we're, we're living in a food desert. And yeah, we sure we have all our, our um, in, indigenous ancestral foods growing in the mountains and other places, but a lot of that knowledge is lost to us. And, and Amber had mentioned too before that, um, you know, our people have to drive 50 miles, hundreds of miles, hours to the nearest, you know, grocery store to get food and you have to plan that trip. You have to plan, okay, what can I buy if I don't have electricity or a refrigerator? What can I buy if I don't have running water? 
And you know, this is the same story we hear since um, Cliff did the long walk. Our people are still, we haven't healed from that. You know, everything we're dealing with is a result of being removed from our homelands, having our sheep and our crops burned and slaughtered, having that whole traumatic experience of detaching from our Dinepikea, our ancestral homeland, and, and then coming back to it, being confined onto a reservation. And, you know, those initially were concentration camps and death camps, um, you know, putting us in harsh living conditions so we wouldn't survive the winters if they burned all the trees for us to cut down, if they killed all our sheep to eat, if they burned all our hogans. And, you know, that that was all intentional. And so I think the work that we are all doing in this fellowship just is showing like, we're still here. We're not only resisting this system, but we're surviving. And um, I, I'm it's so easy for me to give up hope, but I always have hope that we're going to be thriving again one of these days. You know, we're not going to be the minority of the minorities anymore. Oh, that's, so that's um, that's what some of the work we're doing at Shema Learning Center, and you can follow our social media. Um, and we're trying to start up a little online store to um, sell some seeds, sell our artwork, and um, do a lot of exchanges. We, we keep it multicultural and we have relatives all around the world from all indigenous cultures and tribes. And, um, you know, we have to unite our people. That's, that's the only way we're going to get through this. And, um, you know, climate change is going to get so much harder. And again, as Amber said, water is going to become more scarce. And, you know, we, we got to be there to help each other. We got to make sure we have these um, support systems in place in case of any um, upcoming emergencies we have to go through. It's, it's just so incredible how just that one space that you guys are able to create, you're highlighting so much more, um, so much more, like you're highlighting the roots, you're getting to the roots of the problems, but also finding other ways to solve those problems through farming, um, through picking up trash, even doing a, uh, an animal rescue, like that just also the way we treat our land and like the way we treat our animals, like you um, also find homes for um, animals, right? For your dogs. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I'm like, this is such an, an amazing uh, family that is giving back, highlighting these, these roots of of like pretty much racism, uh, what indigenous people have gone through for the past like 500 plus years. Mm -hmm. And to have spaces like that, we, I mean, I mean, it's taking our own families to create these safe spaces for us. And it's, it just shows like how much um, lack of resources are even in our own communities. Um, if there was something like the Shema Learning Center in all communities, I mean, that's just a, I mean, incredible future to even envision of having those safe spaces, talking about things, and also um, giving back to Mother Earth and to your families and community. Mm. Um, Amber, uh, Shanika, did you have any questions for Zenaba? Uh, I was just wondering how you got started um, or how you started your your animal rescue. Like, um, uh, just a quick story on that. <laughs> um, it's kind of a funny but sad story. Um, 
we, we used to live in Gallup until um, I finished second grade. Then that's when we moved to um, the Twin Lakes Tulthagai area um, right next to my great grandma to take care of her because no one was there taking care of her. You know, an elderly matriarch and home alone, couldn't chop her own water, her own wood, um, couldn't haul water. So my mom and dad were the ones that really stepped up to do that. And our road used to be a dirt road. So, you know, no one could reach her the rainy, snowy days except us because we, we had a truck that could do it. So that's why we decided to move there. And we've been there since, um, you know, decades later. And, and all of a sudden, you know, we started seeing stray animals, you know, around that area down the road at the Totlagai gas station. Um, used to be Mustang and used to be Shell and now it's a speed speedway or I've, I don't know, I lost track of how many times that gas station has changed, but it, I've always, um, you know, just again, breaks my heart to see how our own animal relatives are suffering. Um, you know, the pandemic has even affected them. They're, they're getting sick, they're, they're losing access to clean water. They're losing access to food they eat. And, and again, a lot of our people have internalized disrespecting and mistreating animals. So I'm, I've been a huge advocate for animal abuse. And, you know, I hated seeing schoolmates and, you know, cousins, um, you know, kicking their animals or grabbing little kittens by the tail, swinging, swinging them in the air. And, you know, it just got me so mad, like, oh my gosh, these our people have issues if they're doing this to, to animals who are so sacred and innocent, like those teachings are, are, it's like they're gone. And so people started like rec seeing how me and my family would, you know, house these animals, these, you know, stray animals. And, you know, I call them our unsheltered relatives as well. They're homeless, they're unwanted, they're starving, they're dying. Um, so we took them in and most of my family was fine with it. And um, in most of the times it's, it's dogs and cats that are female because they're in heat. No one wants to go take them to get fixed or they're pregnant. No one wants to take care of the babies. Um, so that, that's kind of, again, I think once I got back home two years ago and finished in Colorado Springs with my, uh, my undergraduate degree, I was able to be back home. I just wanted to be home. I was sick of living in the urban city area. I, I miss just you know, waking up in only a few houses there, being in nature, having animals around. I miss that so much. So that's why, you know, I, um, actually the first of May is going to be our first annual of me making our animal rescue um, official, official and public. Um, so we'll do a celebration for that. But people started recognizing like, oh, that family, they, they take sheltered animals. So in the middle of the night, someone would drop off, you know, a box or a bag of kittens or puppies and we'd hear them and we'd go to the ditch, rescue them. And if we could afford it, we would keep them. If we couldn't, we would at least, you know, take them to a humane society or ask around if anyone was wanting puppies or kittens. And so, um, yeah, that's just the type of person I was raised to be, you know, respect animals, you know, the way you treat animals shows a lot about your character and, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hoping again, when I, if we can heal our people, we can heal them back to the point where they realize like, hey, you know, animals need our help. They can't survive on their own and we need them as well, whether they're emotional support animals, whether 
it's like our sheep that give us life, give us food, give us wool to make our clothes. Um, you know, this, this is all ancient, wonderful knowledge that I'm doing what I can to help revitalize. Wow, Zenoba, like, I feel like there's just like a, I don't know why, but I'm just like trying to connect. Like, I feel like the way we treat our animals, the way we treat our land, and especially the way we treat our female animals as well, like shows a lot how we treat our women in society, even in our own like uh, communities. It says a lot. I think it says a lot, like how when you just walk out the door, how your community looks like, it just shows the values that we're being taught. And I'm so thankful your parents and um, your grandparents are able to pass down that knowledge and you're uh, living by it. Um, yeah, and another funny thing I wanted to share, I just remembered, <laughs> I might have been in between kindergarten, first or second grade. Um, and there was this, this assignment we got was like, what do you want? If there's anything you could invent, some sort of machine. One of the things I wanted to invent was... Um, pills to give animals so like the females so they wouldn't have babies and I had no idea what birth control was at that age but you know I brought it home told my parents and they're like oh that's like birth control for animals and I was like oh okay <laughs> so instead of having to go through surgery and get their tubes tied because people complain that's that's expensive I'm like well what if we just invented a pill gave it to the females so they didn't have to have babies that no one wanted so, you know, it's, it's, I just remembered that I wanted to share it. It's reproductive justice for our animals, for our four-legged animals. Yeah. <laughs> You're highlighting a lot of issues. <laughs> but it's, I feel like it's such a, a real thing, like res dogs. It's a uni like a universal native thing. And we have to like, like denormalize it, like can't like cancel that out of our culture because that's just it's we shouldn't have res dogs we shouldn't just be like oh stupid res dog or don't feed the res dog or you know it's in all of our communities and I feel like we really do need to switch that mindset on how we treat our animals even how we treat our female animals as well mm -hmm. I agree. Um, yeah Shaninka did you have any uh, closing comments or a question for for Zenoba yes I just wanted to ask Zenova, um, how can we support your animal rescue and your learning center? Is there like a like a page where we can donate or somewhere we can send donations to? Yeah, we, we have social media for both the Shema Learning Center and the Res Animal Animal Protectors. Uh, it's under different names, but you could just search Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, or contact me. And um, I did another birthday donation fundraiser <clears throat> for the animal protectors. Um, and we accept donations via Venmo, Zelle. Um, I have a wish list on Amazon that shows a lot of the pet supplies that we get. And it, it costs about $200 every one to two weeks to keep all our animals. The ones we have, um, at the moment to keep them, you know, fed and taken care of. Um, yeah, we have PayPal and I'm sure in the link description for the podcast, I can share those links as well. Um, but even we've gotten nice cards in the mail, little 
little notes of paper with some cash saying, this is for your animals. Thank you for what you're doing for our four-legged relatives. So um, yeah, if you ever want to support us, um, you can just contact me. Awesome. Thank you. And just to wrap up our discussion here, what is a call to action or an affirmation you would like our audience to know? Zanupa? Yeah, a call to action um, for 2021 is to do what you can to honor our ancestors, honor our Dene'e, honor our holy people, honor our water and the natural elements, and honor everything on Mother Earth. And doing that in the smallest ways, like learning how to recycle correctly, learning how to um, use less water, anything to, to just, you know, lessen your impact um, on, on the environment. And, you know, that, that especially, I think the main thing was just let's clean up our land. It's so disgusting to drive down our highways, to drive down our roads, to drive up to our, our, um, our houses and our relatives and just seeing trash and pollution and litter everywhere. It's just, you know, the lands, it's beautiful beneath under all that all that trash. So my call to action is let's let's clean up Dinepikea and everywhere else in the world. Thank you so much. It's such a good message just to recognize our holy people and recognize um, the land that we live on. So yeah, everyone for joining in on our second episode, tune in episode three. We are highly our social justice fellow, Shanika, aka Sky, Sky Girls, <laughs> Skywalker. So, um, yeah, tune in. We'll be right back.